Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is the Motley Fool Money Mailbag. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, our very special Sunday morning mailbag edition. I am Scott Phillips and with me is Andrew Ram Page or... What was the line from Friday? Was it whatever it takes? It was one of those ones. I can't remember what, I, what you are. Uh, well, we finished with it. Our listeners will know. No, no guts, uh, no glory. No, Andrew, no guts, no glory page. Exactly. <laughs> the man, the, the, the slogan that'll launch a thousand, uh, what is it? Um, sportswear lines. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that or uh, our favorite slogans. Like we should do that at some point. That's just fun. We are here to answer your questions. Now, if you have a question for us for next week, Hit us up on the usuals, info at fool.com.au. You can get us on Twitter. Andrew is at sage underscore Simeon and at strawmaninvest. On Twitter or Insta, I'm at TMF Scott P. And The Motley Fool is at The Motley Fool AU. And I'm on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Scott Phillips Money or facebook.com forward slash The Motley Fool Australia. Ram, how are you, mate? Very good, sir. Very good. Yourself? Excellent. I'm exceptionally well, thank you. Always going to be with you on this Sunday morning. If the weather forecast is any guide, because, of course, we are pre-recording this, it's going to be a miserable and cold Sunday morning down my way, mate. So I'll probably still be in bed at this point. But uh, you've said before, your Sunday mornings are pretty sacred for you. I assume you'll be in bed as well? This is a very, very safe bet, yes. <laughs> All right. Let's get on with some people who are already listening, who are up and about, who are doing more active and, uh, and productive things than we are. Let's get going. and Andy. Andy, 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 Andy. Unfortunately, I have to start with a Bitcoin question, Ram, despite oh, my best efforts. Right. Despite my best efforts. Uh, you right. had my curiosity. No, you yes. had my attention. Hi, both, says Andy. Love the pod. Thank you, mate. And been listening for a while. Got a question about Bitcoin. <laughs> oh, God. What are your thoughts on buying the new 21 shares Bitcoin ETF? Apparently, the code is EBTC. Versus buying Bitcoin directly. I plan on hodling, says Andy. That's one of those cool Bitcoin jokes that only the cool Bitcoin kids get. I plan on hodling, but I'm not sure about the best and safest way to do this. So many options like hot wallets, cold wallets, holding with an exchange. Is it easier to just buy the ETF and not worry about any of that for the 1.25% per annum fee? Thanks, Andy. I was kind of thinking Ooh. the fee was unnecessary for a whole lot of the, that question, Andrew. And then as he went through that stuff and I thought about losing wallets and keys and exchanges, and I was part of me thinking, you know what? Maybe it would just be better to buy the ETF. But I'm not the Bitcoin expert here. You are the man who knows everything about Bitcoin, I, I jest. Uh, what, uh, what do you reckon? I, I'm curious as to your thoughts on the pros and cons. I'm pretty deep down the rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> you are. I'll, I'll let you know when I find the bottom. Um, look, I... I, there are always trade-offs um, yep. in, in anything. And there's some, as you, I mean, you, you kind of actually um, hit the nail on the head there. The great thing about the ETF is it's super easy. You've probably already got a broking mm-hmm. account set up. You get online, you trade it, boom, you've got exposure. It's really, really nice and easy. There is a saying in the uh, Bitcoin community, though, which is not your keys, not your coin, um, which is actually <laughs> of course a saying. There's a saying in the Bitcoin community. There is. There's a, a saying, a hashtag, whatever. But it's actually, it's actually something sort of well established through a whole bunch of horror stories uh you know whether it's an exchange being hacked or an exchange taking your uh collateral and gambling it on stupid DeFi projects and blowing up and and then you're not having anything there it's sort of i think although it's a a little bit of extra effort it's part of the whole experience with bitcoin i mean bitcoin is a step Mm -hmm. back from this thing that's just this crazy little asset that you can own. Mm-hmm. Like the, the whole point of it really is to have this self-custody bearer digital instrument. 
And that's kind of a new mm. cool mm. thing. Mm. And it's kind of like I say I say go for the full experience. It's 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 <laughs> we're very we're very early on. You, so you can't really be a true Bitcoin unless you own them in your own wallet. Is that what you're telling me here? I, I think so. You I can't join so. the cool kids group unless you've got evidence of the membership card. Yeah, yeah. I, I kinda of, it, it it kind of it kind of def- Beats the purpose in a, in a lot of ways. So shouldn't I just buy my Willy shares just directly from the from the company and not use Comsec? Then I mean, isn't it, isn't the broker just kind of one of those? Isn't that just kind of the process these days? The ETF don't don't ETF buy buy each all two hundred shares individually. Well, that's a great analogy. So you could buy Willy shares and be issuer sponsored and mm-hmm. and own those shares more directly, or you can go let Chess a proper your worst shareholder. A prob- you know, <laughs> but this is this is a whole other thing that once mm-hmm. once you own once you set up your wallet. Uh, we can get into that a little bit, but once you set it up, I mean, you, you self custody that. That's that. No mm. one can stop you from interacting and transacting and holding it. Like, like literally, mm. no one. Like, the the full force of the U.S. government can't do anything about it. You know, short of like grabbing you and pulling your toenails out and torturing you for the private, for the for the <laughs> private keys. They you, they, yeah. they can't do anything about it. It's kind of it's kind of pretty cool, um, honestly. <laughs> And it's actually really easy. You're starting to sound a little bit uh, preppy here, mate. A little bit, little bit conspiratorial. Oh, the government I... can't get me. I'm going to be under my bunker. <laughs> I'm going to buy Bitcoin. You can't get it. Well, the, the, because prize my is... wallet key and my password out of my cold dead hands. No, I'm here? not. I'm not one of those guys. But, but, but because <laughs> because it is a bearer instrument. So in the, in the old days, in the very mm-hmm. old days, when you bought stock, you actually had yeah. a certificate. Literal and certificate. If, yeah. And if yeah. I broke into your house and I stole that certificate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I own the yeah, shares. It's gone. Yeah, that's right. it's gone. There's no, there's yeah. no one else to appeal to. So, it's so you're saying that, uh, that the stock market evolved and Bitcoin is still this unevolved uh, <laughs> wasteland of of dog eat dog. If I have your key, you know, uh, bad luck, dude. Look, it's one of the it, like it, it's it's we've we've <laughs> often talked about uh, chess sponsorship versus not chess sponsorship. Yeah. Now, if you're not chess sponsored, what are the honestly? What are the odds of of you not actually having those? Very minimal. Very minimal. And it's the same kind of thing that we're talking about here. But it's always better to, I think, uh, have yeah. it have it yourself. And yeah. it's super easy. It's super easy. Yeah. So you have to, you don't have to, but the easiest way is to go through an exchange. So you set up an account, you buy some shares. It sits on Coinbase or Independent mm-hmm. Reserve or whatever broker mm-hmm. you use. But it's kind of like they, if they get hacked and they could, mm-hmm. then that's mm-hmm. gone. And there's no recourse. There's no one else that you can appeal to there. So yeah. this isn't like a government thing. This is just like nefarious actors stealing stuff yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. or having to trust the exchange. So buy it there. Mm-hmm. But then then set yourself up uh, your own private wallet. You, you know what's cool? You can lock yourself in, your, in a room with a 20-cent with a, a piece and flip it 256 times and build mm-hmm. your own key. Right, mm-hmm. it's kind of cool, and and uh, um, <laughs> and then you, you you can you can then you anyway. There's a, there's a bit of mucking around, but then you can sort of plug that into your to your um, to the exchange and just transfer it onto your own wallet. You own that, yep. and as yep. long as you remember that key, you'll 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 be forever you'll be forever safe. So what mm-hmm. I, I, the way I would do it is I would actually get a ledger or something. It's one mm-hmm. of these hardware mm-hmm. wallets, mm-hmm. you know, fifty bucks or something like that. And transfer it there, and it's a really cool experience. You can set yourself up a Lightning wallet with Moon or one of these. There's a million of them out there, and you're sort of part of the ecosystem. So I say do it not so much for any of these sort of crazy prepper reasons, but because it's it, it's a wonderful learning experience and how the ecosystem and how it all and how it all works. And it's a pretty wild. It, that's what kind of the penny will drop for you when you start doing it. When you realise that this is something that is a lot of terms get thrown around in this space. But it's legitimately peer to peer. There's no counterparty that's out there, you know, and that's that mm-hmm. is brand new in the digital realm. And and once you start 
tinkering around with this stuff, you'll sort of see how kind of cool it is. So, you know, look, if you're going to put- Go on. I was going to say, if you're going to put your life savings into it, you yeah. might want to go a bit further down the That's hole and do some custodial <laughs> services, maybe right, some right, multi-sig right. kind of stuff where yeah, if you lose your, yeah. your password, uh, password's yeah. not the right word. If you use your private key, you're, you're okay. Um, but if, if, you just, if you're mucking around with a little bit of money, and this is the other beauty, you can be very small amounts of money. Yeah. yeah. Grab it yourself. Put it. Put it. Put it under the mattress. You know. Make sure you write write down the private key somewhere <laughs> and keep it very oh, safe. Oh no. Uh, but I mean, I'm you, if, if if you lose it, you, you know, it's not it's not a huge amount of money. Once you start getting to significant mm. sums, mm. there are some mm. really great custodial services that are out there. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. But I, that, look, that's that's just me. I just say dip your toe in the water, and any way you go about it is is pretty cool. But I I think the ETF. Uh, it's sort of like well, why a you don't really own it. B you don't get to experience anything of it. C there's a fee ongoing fee for doing it mm-hmm. d they could they could uh lose it or collapse or any kind of number of things just go, go the full experience mm-hmm. is it uh, so i hear you i, I have a feeling that's you're so skeptical you're so your default assumption is so skeptical absolutely you no, are I'm thinking about the full experience things feels more like a hey the game is fun take part and it almost feels to me like, I mean, that's almost the whole ECF idea, right? We would say, go and buy individual shares, go and do the research. It's fun, it's interesting, let's go and do it because we like doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering for the for the no-something investor, I would say no-nothing investor, but rather, you know, someone who's not as deep into it. The uh, Like ETF, same thing. I, I, I my, my sense is somewhere back from your view is just that, you know, if you want to get into it or you want to get into it with a little bit of money, try buying a few shares. But if you've got a lot of money, you want to put it into ETFs, go for that. You know, maybe the, again, to, to rehash our Friday conversation about, you know, the, the why not both gif. Um, it's some element of just that, that idea of like, you know, if, if you don't know enough, saying, oh, let's go put 100 grand in the, you know, I'll buy a Bitcoin six, I'm interested, I should have the whole experience. The security ends up being sucks and I didn't realize what was going on. And I lost a lot of money and, and, and XYZ, I lost the key and I lost the wallet. I didn't really know which wallet I should have got into. I'm just wondering whether there's a more conservative starting point, which is, you know, yeah, bio means go and experience it, but, but do that with a smaller amount and put a la- the larger proportion in the ETF just so you don't, you know, making mistakes with your own money is expensive. Mm-hmm. Making mistakes with other people's money is easier, right? <laughs> just strikes me that might be oh, a, yeah, there's, yeah, another look, way to think about it. Yeah, if you, if you lose your hardware wallet or you, I mean, there, there's, there, is, there is no one to turn to. There are there are stories out there of people that back in the very early days who bought ten thousand Bitcoin when it was a dollar each or something, and now it's in a landfill somewhere. They'll never get mm. that. It's literally billions of dollars, literally billions of dollars in today's money, and it's gone forever. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. Totally so there are risks right. with all of this yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. So yeah, yeah that, as I said, at the the, start, that that part of the full experience is something probably people shouldn't want to have, right? There's, yeah. there's the full experience, and there's the full experience. So there are trade-offs. There are trade-offs yeah, with exactly. with everything. Yeah, that's a good to put actually. Yeah, I, nice, I think nice. one thing I would I guess say before we move on is that mm. the, the entirely wrong reason to buy Bitcoin is because you think it's kind of cool mm-hmm. and it's a number go up technology is <laughs> you know know what you, yeah. i say this about shares all the time yeah. know what you own and why you own yeah. it dig into yeah. it um you know get yeah. get ready for the you know pack pack a pack a lunch because it's it's gonna be a deep <laughs> journey <laughs> but but once you dig into it you know what why why yeah. is this thing uh valuable yeah. how does it work why is it different it's kind of i sort of started on that journey expecting to like um debunk it <laughs> and i just the, the, the irony is is that the more i tried to debunk it the more i ended up being orange pilled and just like swallowing it hook line and sinker. being orange peeled that's another that's another bitcoin so that's another sort of a, from a matrix sort of cross reference oh, there dear, dear. So, all right anyway, uh, anyway can we move on can we move on please oh, do we have to? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one day, don't. one day, one day. I'm glad this is all on on record because in in you know five five years or so I'll be able to say, ah, 
<laughs> I was wrong. I was I mean, right. <laughs> yeah, I was wrong. All right, let's let's move on uh, to another question we got during the week. Man, thank you for the like, good explanation, by the way. And as always, I, I, I love having fun with it. I'm not sold, as you know, but I know you are sold, and so it's always a, always a fun chat. Yeah, it is. Um, Bluto Mamba on Twitter says, "Hi Scott, love the Motley Fool podcast. As a newcomer to investing, I've always been a property guy." but we are now investing in shares thanks to finding your podcast and also listening to Sage underscore Simeon, which is Andrew's Twitter handle. Question I have is for my 15-year-old who wants to invest around 25000 $25, Are there any products as a miner she can access or we can on her behalf that does not have capital gains implications? I'll start with this one, mate. Hmm. Um, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> capital gains tax is universal other than unless she's buying her own home. <laughs> I'm not sure about the rules of buying your own principal place of residence as a 15-year-old. I'm, I don't claim expertise there. I would imagine she can't sign contracts, so she probably can't do that, but uh, you never know. You could set so, up a family uh, trust and she could be a part of that and you could wait until she's over 18 and then distribute it. And rah, 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 you know. Yeah, yeah. That's, point. that's a good point. You could. She never actually owned that, but yeah, sure, you could do it yeah. that way. Um, so capital gains tax, no, that's, that's completely universal. You might be thinking of um, what is uh, an extortionate amount of income tax for miners, uh, which is required, as we've said before, because people were using miners as tax shields and the government went, nope. Uh, the bad side of that, unfortunately, is that um, it means miners get absolutely screwed when it comes to income tax because people assume that, or the government chooses to assume, that maybe you're doing it for, for tax sheltering reasons. You're not, of course. I'm not suggesting that in the slightest, but generally, um, I'm going to so I would normally say there are structures you can do it in your own name and just, you know, you will have to pay capital gains tax to pass it on. You could put it in your name as trustee for and then use your daughter's name. That can work um, and you can absolutely do that. It's a. Uh, you have to set a bank account in her name, use her tax file number, all that kind of stuff. That's to avoid the unearned income tax rates. I'm going to suggest to you that potentially, given the amount of money we're talking about and given the closeness of her age to 18, I would even consider potentially um, uh, not doing any of that and taking the, taking a flyer on the tax. Uh, the reason I say that is because in three years' time, that 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 um, extortionate tax rate is not going to apply to her and less than she's 15 now so let's somewhere under three years it only applies if you earn more than I think it's 460 bucks income a year unearned income from shares uh, from a $25,000 you know uh, investment I guess it's possible if you if you had if you bought only banks you might earn a thousand bucks a year something like that maybe 1500 bucks a year so it's possible you go over that limit but it'll only be for two years and then after that it won't be um, I, I gotta say I think you know, no one wants to pay more tax than you have to. If I had a 15-year-old daughter right now, I think I'd invest the money in her name uh, in the shares I wanted her to have, long-term growth shares. You're probably going to be investing her in income stocks at 2015. Uh, so if the, if the yield on those shares is less than about 3%, you're probably not going to even crack the unearned income tax threshold anyway. So yes, you're going to, have to pay more tax if you do crack that threshold. I want you to know that's going to be possible. Don't blame me when it happens. Um, but if I, had, if I had a 15-year-old right now, I'd invest $25,000 in, in great long-term businesses. And if I had to pay a little bit extra in tax on her behalf over the next two years, then so be it. Because hopefully the capital growth, not the capital gains, because she's not selling, <coughs> excuse me, the capital growth over that time will be more than enough to offset it and the behavior and the starting point and the long-term compounding will be worth it. So that's what I would honestly do at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, as, as Ram is, you know, we kind of talk regularly about, uh, you're focusing on the wrong things, just do the right thing sometime, you know, get, get the 80% right, don't worry about the 20. That's actually my view here. You know, I, you probably can structure it really cleverly and whatever for the cost, the time, the effort, the whatever. 
so close to Aiden already. Buy the shares you wanted to own for 25 years. And then if you have to pay tax for a couple of years as a result on the income, just do that. Suck it up. I know it sucks. Um, you know, don't don't sweat the small stuff. Ram? I think that's good. Um, another way is just buy the shares yourself in your name mm-hmm. and just say, you know, sweetheart, yeah. these are your a separate shares. separate account. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it's, it's a handshake agreement. It's sort of like, yep. you know, yep. technically are they? No, but they are yours. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. one day when you want to sell, you, I'm just, you just you're, use me as your conduit. Right. Yes. Yeah. I will. I will be the the, the intermediary that, that that does the trade, <laughs> that holds it, and then one day whenever you want to sell, I sell, it, and then I'll give you the money. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Exactly. So it's kind you of, it's kind of you know. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's just it, it's it's it, I get that why that's not appealing is because I'm sure the experience you want here is 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 the one of ownership mm-hmm. to yes, have that exactly. skin in the game. Yeah. Um, but but if it if it if it you know <laughs> if you trust each other it's kind of it, it, it yeah. becomes a, what's the word for it it's, it's largely semantics at a point right mm-hmm. it's just, like, yes, exactly. for all intents and purposes they are your shares and you own yep. them and I yep. solemnly swear as your father that I will do whatever you want to do with them uh, and it's just easy it's just super easy yeah. that way and then it, and then in three years time she'll hop, the, the lesson that you want to impart will have been made it's like oh yeah. wow dad. You know, I bought the I quote unquote bought these shares three years ago. This is really great. Now I'm hooked. You know, you, mm-hmm. and job done, right? Okay, now now go set up your own account and 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 go for broke. Um, yeah, great advice. Yep, I, I think either either of those two scenarios is, is perfectly fine and will 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 suit you perfectly perfectly. It's not going to be you know 100 as tax efficient as it could be if you put the time effort energy. It's just not worth it. There's accountants and financial planners screaming at the uh, oh, their, their listening device right now, saying that there are other, other options, and there are. But as you say, there are costs and hassles that come. Oh, with just, that. and just for the sake of two and a half years worth. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to sound blase about paying a couple hundred bucks in tax, but it's a couple hundred bucks in tax. And mm. if the shares you buy go up ten percent a year, you're going to be earning over that three years time, average three percent a year, ten percent a year. Yeah. You get the idea. That's like a thirty percent gain. So your twenty five grand is now worth thirty something thousand dollars because you started now. She's going to have. 30 30 odd thousand dollars worth of shares in three years' time. Again, mm. the market could crash 30%. I'm not saying it's guaranteed, but you know what I'm saying. Yep. yep. It's uh, one of those things. Mate, Guy asks a question. Hello, I have a question for the podcast machine, he says. <laughs> Andrew, I want you to I want you to I want to place on record the fact that I'm not the only person you who started calls it the podcast You're responsible. Machine. Well, yeah, and you're welcome. I, I'm a man <laughs> of the people, mate. You know that. You know that. Come on, come on. Trendsetter. <laughs> if people choose to think I have something worth uh, following, I th- I, that's their choice. I, I only can say they're obviously very smart, thoughtful, insightful people, and I like it. Um, Guy says, what is the outlook for REITs going forward? REITs are real estate investment trusts, once called listed property trusts, going forward. Is a debt level of 40% something to be worried about for the long term? I'll let you um, go this one first. Yeah. Because uh, think- you like property so much. So, so the... the- <laughs> The, the the thing is is that it, it's this it's this really frustrating answer which is it mm. it depends. So are and, and like this is a broad category. You know, there's real estate investment trusts. There'll be some in there that are rubbish, and there'll be some there that are really really great. Yeah. Um. So it's it's hard to sort of generalize, and and then even the ones that aren't that great, well, they're probably not worth zero. You know. Would you would you buy it for a dollar? I was like, yeah, I'll buy that entire property because <laughs> you know, as long as there's positive equity in there, I can sell the lot, pay down the yeah. debt, and keep the rest of it, right? So, yep, there's, yep, yep. so the, the price price is is absolutely important on that. Yep. Um, I would say those just some general comments as a sector. Well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, some pretty big headwinds. We've all learnt through this recent period that actually we can be very productive and work from home. And businesses have learned that actually people can be productive and work from home and I can save a fortune mm. on lease, mm. lease expenses. 
Um, uh, so there is a headwind there, and there's there's mm-hmm. there's a supply demand dynamic. Is everyone yep. going to be working from home? No, but there's a lot of supply that's out there, and and demand has gone away <laughs> to some extent. Mm-hmm. And I think what's been surprising, or maybe not that surprising, <laughs> is is that when the pandemic was quote unquote over, we didn't all mm-hmm. flood back to the office. In fact, I, you know. In my little bubble, I, I think a majority of uh, people I know mm. is actually, even when they have gone back, they've negotiated to only go back two or three days a week. So it's really radically changed. And I think this is, I think it's one of these permanent trends, frankly. It's a structural shift in, in, in the way that we have all learned to work together and that all, mm. all parties sort of benefit, employer and employee. So that's, that's a stiff t- tailwind to go into. Again, I'm generalizing because someone will be going, yeah, but what about industrial rates or, you know, et cetera. Um, so, but, but it is a factor. The other factor is is that these are generally leveraged vehicles because you know yeah. the, the yields tend to be pretty awesome. Uh, not awesome, opposite. <laughs> the yields tend to be pretty ordinary. <laughs> so so you tend to juice the returns by debt. Not, mm. not 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 that that doesn't have to be a risky kind of proposition. In fact, that's what pretty much every homeowner in the country does through their mortgage. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, good point. So it's it's not it, it's a question of now in the GFC a whole bunch of them got wiped out. A whole bunch of them were massively diluted, those that clung on because they had too much debt. So there's nothing wrong with debt. There is absolutely a problem with too much debt. Uh, is 40% too much? No, probably not all else being equal. Again, assuming sort of average kind of scenarios. Mm. Um, but we do know that that debt is getting increasingly expensive. That's just the way of the way the world has been going. We, we talked about that very extensively on Friday in terms of what's happening with bond markets and the cost <laughs> of capital and the rest of it. So you've got this you've got this dynamic of of lowering demand, increasing costs. Um, hmm. It's not a great one. Now, I haven't looked at it. Someone might turn around and go, "Yes, Andrew, but look at this particular rate. It's dirt mm-hmm. cheap." And and that might be a really good argument for it. But as a sector, there are just two two things I'd be quite mindful of personally. Yeah, love that answer, mate. I can't add much. Um, uh, debt is always riskier than no debt, so just bear that in mind. Not risky, not not too risky, just riskier. So there's always that. Um, but to Andrew's point, you know they are. Here's the thing: you say a lot. You know, millions of Australians do that with their homes. I think that's true. Uh, I think just for what it's worth, also think about that. Maybe the better analogy is investors who do it with investment properties because that's the they're assuming that someone else will be able to continue to pay rent, which is exactly what you know um, real estate trusts do. They they lease those places to other tenants who in theory are going to be there you've already mentioned occupancy rates and, and that sort of stuff um, and the costs of that largely while the cost of the of the real estate is the property the ongoing cost is the um, uh, the ongoing cost is the repayments and so if they go up they go up faster oh, by the way I said the same about Transurban um, yeah. you know it's, it's, it's largely a piece of debt with a toll road attached rather than a toll road business uh, and you know yes they're inflation protected because the, the, the tolls will go up but debt will go up faster as a proportion of earnings than the tolls it just must uh, I saw a number the other day someone said that apparently uh, I haven't checked this so bear with it but uh, interest the, the repayment in, the average repayment has gone up 36% for homeowners in the last six months with the RBA's increases now Let's assume that Transurban's numbers are something similar. They're probably not. They're probably 15 or 20 or 30. I don't know. But, you know, let's just, for the sake of the exercise, if they can put their, their revenues up by 4% or 8% and keep it with inflation, let's say it's 8% in line with inflation, but your costs go up by 36%, that's where the gap, even though you say they're inflation protected on a revenue line and they are, 
their costs go up, not at inflation, but at interest rates. And that's a much higher number, generally speaking. So just please keep that in mind as you, um, as you, uh, as you think about that. So the same with real estate. Um, the cost will go up faster. The repayment cost will go up faster than rents in all probability, even if they were fully tenanted, which, as Andrew said, they may not be. Um, you're right, mate, that there are very different versions out there. If I was going to rank them, I would be very worried about... So share prices will always move as well, by the way. So we're talking about the fundamental businesses, not the share price. We haven't done a share price analysis. But if you ask me to rank the businesses, the business types within the sector, the ones I'd be most concerned about are offices, for the reason Andrew said. Um, next would be mid-tier retail. retail. So think mm -hmm. about not, not suburban retail, not the you know Woolies, Coles next door, and not, by the way, Westfield. I'll get to that. The ones in between. The sort of semi-regional ones, the ones the the moderate-sized shopping mall. It's not a Westfield, but it's not a Woolies and two specialty you know, cafe and a and a something else. Those middle ones, you probably think about those in your suburbs or around you. Um, not the individual suburb ones, not the big mega Westfields. The ones in between that, in terms of size and scale and and location, they're the ones that if you go have a day out, you go to Westfield. If you want something yellow for bread, you go to Woolies. In between that, nah, they feel like they're at a bit of risk. I'd be worried about those ones next. Uh, third on my list would be. Probably the Westfield type big ones. They're, they're better quality than the suburban ones, but sorry, than the regional ones, uh, but they are still exposed to discretionary retail. After that, I'd probably put the suburban retail because online is continuing to eat away. And at some point, Woolies and Coles will have fewer stores rather than more. That could be a long way away, by the way. And last would be the bulky goods retail. So think about... Um, uh, oh, sorry, so actually, I'll, I'll take I'll take it back. I put bulky goods retail. I think about bulky goods. I'm talking about the good guys, Harvey Norman, bedding stores, the kind of ones you drive up to, and you know you kind of park and you walk around. There's five or six big stores, uh, and then after that, it would be the industrial warehouse REITs. So if you're supplying Amazon or some other e-commerce e retailer, or you literally are the warehousing for Woolies, Coles, whatever, whatever, that's pretty good. I reckon pretty. Well, I won't say safe, much less risky than the other ones. So that's the order I put them in. Mm. Uh, am I worried about them? Yes, I wouldn't buy the first half of that list. The other second half of that list I might buy based on price. Is that an okay job of explaining that? Man? Yeah, I mean, you, there's, a, there's a lot to say in that space, yep. but um, I, think, I, think, I think we've wrapped it up pretty well. Beautiful. Yep. Let's move on then, rather than get bogged down, to a question from Harry. Harry says, hi, guys, I've been listening to your podcast and enjoying the content, and I would like to get started putting my money into the share market. I'm living in, working in New Zealand, but think I would invest in Australian shares and ETFs. What's the best way to get started and not pay big fees? Kind regards, Harry. I'm going to grab this one first, mate. Um, Harry, I'm going to say, firstly, we don't know. Uh, the If you're a... If you're a tax resident of New, sorry, if you're a resident of New Zealand for tax purposes, and that's a very specific term, I'm not asking you to think about whether you might be or whether you consider yourself that. Think about whether the New Zealand Tax Office and the ATO, the Australian Tax Office, consider you a New Zealand resident for tax purposes, because that will change things like, for example, as far as I'm aware, Kiwi still don't pay capital gains tax. Um, so if that if that is still true then if you're a New Zealand resident for tax purposes, that would change what you do and how you do it versus if you're an Australian resident for tax purposes, in which case you would be eligible um, or liable, I should say, for capital gains tax. So I don't want to give you tax advice. Um, I think investing in Australian shares and ETFs makes a whole lot of sense. The New Zealand market's smallish and at least diversifying outside New Zealand would make a whole lot of sense. So that I think it's a good start. I wouldn't stop at Australia though. I'd look at the US as well as we've talked about before. <clears throat> there are some wonderful businesses across both those markets and New Zealand, by the way. Just not as many in New Zealand by definition because it's a smaller market. Um, so I think that's a great idea. 
best way to get started, um, easy, start saving. Uh, and then depending on what brokerage you find, keep your brokerage costs to less than about 2% of your trade value uh, and then buy some. Uh, ECFs are a great way to start to get diversified super early. And then as you get more um, experience and more comfortable with the market, then think about some individual shares. Not paying big fees, that's just a question of how much brokerage you pay. There's some really cheap brokers out there. I'm not sure what is available to New Zealand residents in terms of chess sponsorship. I absolutely don't know that. I would always choose chess and I'd pay more for chess given the choice. There's heaps of brokers out there, heaps of great brokers out there. Um, Sharesies is a business I've done some work for, full disclosure. Um, they're a New Zealand-based broker that's available in New Zealand and Australia. If you're in New Zealand and you're looking to invest in Australia and maybe New Zealand and maybe the US, a multi-market, multi-currency broker is probably useful for you. So just have a think about that as you as you start to build that out. But specifically, I'm going to say I don't know. Um, I think you're probably best to check someone in New Zealand who does that, who is an expert in both New Zealand investing, but also um, who's, who's thought about investing in Australia from New Zealand because they will have some specific tax, accounting, whatever legislation or laws. We just don't know, mate. And I don't want to uh, give you a bum steer by, by telling you we think we know. I'd rather, um, Andrew might, by the way, so I'll, I'll happily yeah, what, what, you say, what are you saying about we? Yeah, good point, good point. So, Andrew, tell me about all that New Zealand tax law. And, uh... I actually don't know. <laughs> I actually don't know. Uh, Nobody either. I, I think that's, I think that's, I think you nailed it there. Yeah, you, you find, find a local broker that, that offers uh, ASX exposure. There, there's quite a few, as I understand it. Cool. There you go. Uh, but can the, I just say, can I just give okay, a quick yeah, shout out yeah, to the Kiwis, yeah, yeah. though? Yeah. Um, there are some brilliant, brilliant uh, Kiwi businesses. And the good thing is for us uh, in Australia is that the good ones often dual list over here. Uh, as well, so they they definitely punch above their weight in terms of their well a whole, a whole bunch of things. It probably shouldn't be too nice given given the famed rivalry between uh, uh, our cousins across the ditch. But but yeah, some incredible incredible companies. Uh, probably the best one that everyone knows is Zero, which is uh, just taken the world by storm. So yep, go go Kiwis. Solely listed here, by the way. Well, as we like to say, Andrew, Australasia's best businesses. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yes, indeed. Far like Pavlova Zero, they're all Australasian greats, <laughs> aren't they? Uh, yep. Russell Crowe, Crowded House, Split Ends. The list goes on and on and on. Yep. Some of Australasia's best. Uh, mate, uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's get a question from Michael. who says, hi, Scott and Andrew. I know in the past you've discussed your dislike of thematic ETFs. I will say I um, that that's probably me more than Andrew. Andrew is welcome to have his view, but I don't want to I don't want to cast him uh, in that light if he chooses not to be. However, when you talked about the ten qualities you looked for in investments, that was a fun couple of podcasts. Actually, if you haven't looked at that, listen to that. Go back uh, a couple of months. Uh, we did that a little while ago. Uh, when you look, talk about the ten qualities you look for in investments, you mentioned a strong moat as being highly desirable. With that in mind, what thoughts, if any, do you have about Van Eck Morningstar Wide Moat ETF? And the code on the ASX is M-O-A-T for moat. Many thanks, Michael. Hmm. Is this one you've looked at, mate? I have briefly a little while ago. So it's 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 one that um, in terms of the concept, it's a good one. Like, you know, we said mm. it ourselves, you know, high mm. wide moat companies are good. And this is a, yep. a buffetism of just meaning companies that have very strong yes. competitive positions. And companies with very strong competitive positions tend to earn greater returns on equity and capital and shareholders yep. tend to do better over time. Moats, moats are really great. Because they yeah. have they have more scale or better pricing power or lower costs or whatever those things that give it that moat yep. tends to, it, it is a moat almost by definition because it conveys an economic benefit. Yep. If I'm a coal miner, I probably don't yep. have much of a moat because I'm selling the same thing that all the other coal miners are selling. If I'm selling right. an iPhone, well, I'm Apple and I'm the only one in the world who can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a reason why uh, iPhones are, are sold for, for more than other, other brands of phones. 
Brand mm-hmm. brand is one of those moats if, if you can mm-hmm. get it. It's why a Coca Cola is regarded uh, in a higher profile than a Pepsi. It's why McDonald's is mm-hmm. regarded mm-hmm. better than Burger King. Whatever you know, name you know. There there's a whole bunch of reasons as why moats are really great. My my problem with it is, and it's not really a great problem, but it it the hard thing about moats is that they are pretty subjective. You know, like we it's like um that great definition. I think a US judge used once with with porn he says i can't define (laughs) it but i know it when i see it yeah and it's it's a bit it's a bit like this here so somewhere in morningstar there's a group of people who get together and rate these things and they use their judgment (laughs) and they're probably very smart capable people and i'm not not, not here to have a go at them at all but you know you put them in a room with a group of other smart capable investors and they might come to a bit of a disagreement as to which company has a the widest mode it's it's something that's qualitative as opposed to quantitative so it is hard people try to quantify these things uh morningstar is one of them but it's but it's hard to do <laughs> like how do you put a number on that it's like it's like putting a number on i don't know beauty you know you could look at a, a painting and say well how score that zero to ten in terms of beauty it's like mm. again we might all have a shared conception of, of what of what that is <laughs> but but is it 7.8 or is it 6.3 you know so that, that's that's where it gets a little tricky um uh to my mind and then and then around that mm. there is there is going to be um implicit assumptions around portfolio weightings and everything else so yeah you know i mm-hmm. yeah i don't know what would you say i'm going to talk out of both of my mouth happily here mate um we recommended this ETF to our members at Share Advisor, despite my dislike, as um, as our questioner says, it was Michael, uh, Michael, uh, despite my dislike, dislike for just the thematic ETFs. And I, as, I, I'm glad you asked the question because it gives me a good chance to reiterate why I don't like thematic ETFs, but also why I do like them. And it's a very clear distinction here between, on one hand, if you are an ETF investor specifically. Um, you are, I hope, doing it because you want passive, diversified, uh, low-cost, index-based market returns uh, as your investing strategy. I think that's great. I have no, I have zero problem with thematic ETFs as investment options if you've done the work and the research to say, I've looked at this particular ETF, I looked at the companies, the makeup, the valuations, the quality, the future, all that kind of stuff, and I think this is a great basket of stocks to buy. I have zero issue with that. My issue is when people do the very quick and, and thoughtless linkage between one and two and say, I hear ETFs are great, therefore I'm buying the gold bear, double leveraged oil, China, dot com, you know, a Bitcoin ETF. And I'm like, well, at that point, all you're doing is saying, I think those are cool things and there's ETF for it, therefore it must make money, right? I have zero issue, absolutely zero issue. So let me be really clear. And thanks, Michael, for asking the question. No issue at all with people saying... I, there was an interesting theme and it was uh, cybersecurity is a great one uh, other mm. Motley Fool services have recommended this one and they've looked at the stocks and the companies and the valuations and the future and said you know what we think this is a, an ETF that at the current price given the future of the sector and the companies is likely possible whatever to be market beating therefore I'm going to buy it I think it's a great way to do it I have absolutely no problem with that at all uh, so I don't dislike thematic ETFs if you've done the research and the work I do dislike them a lot if they are used in the same breath as people say ETFs are great, therefore I'm buying this one because I like the theme. That's what I hate about it, thematic ETFs. And they are mismarketed in my view um, or conveniently 
uh, they draw convenient parallels or convenient linkages that don't deserve to be there because it's, you know the old you know step one, step two, nothing, step three, profit idea um, <laughs> that you sort of see in in social media and memes all over the place. Uh, so I, I really don't like it. I do like the Van Eck Morningstar Wide Mode ETF. We recommended it. Recommended it once quite a while ago. Now track record's very good. Um, to Andrew's point, it's kind of because. As we've already said, um, the, the types of approach, if you can find businesses that genuinely have moats, you can do reasonably well. And I think that's perfectly fine if that's your thing, if that's what you're looking for uh, and you think that's a, a, an appropriate strategy. I will say the reason we recommended it, by the way, was because it's US-based companies. And at Motley Fool ShareAvise, the service that recommended it um, here at, at the Motley Fool, it, it's, we don't invest in US companies on that part of our scorecard. If you're an ASX investor, and you want a, a way to get access to high quality US companies, this particular ETF, I think, is a very good ETF to use to you know, potentially get exposure to that kind of stuff. I think that's where it makes a whole lot of sense. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a nuanced answer. I'm glad you asked it, Michael, because it means we can give that response and help you understand why some of them can be useful. I will say I'll absolutely uh, echo Andrew's comments about, well, it depends on who's picking the stocks, how well they're doing, who's changed, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's really important to do. I will say, by the way, we recommend this back in 2016. This is not me bragging, by the way. Um, since 2016, it was December, uh, the ETF has gained 14.2% per year um, since then compared to 8% for the ASX. Mm. So it's done really, really, really well. Total, that is about 115% gain for the ETF and about 55% for the, for the index. So absolutely clean pair of heels. Because of the reasons you said, I think a, a list of companies that have genuine moats are probably better than the market as a whole. <laughs> now, whether... That ETF is better than individual companies you could find on the ASX. Again, different question. But if you look at that and you say, I like the fundamental methodology, I like the stock picking, I like the idea, I think it's likely to do better than worse because of the stuff Andrew talked about with moats, then yeah, absolutely no, no problem with it whatsoever. Just a very interesting factoid. I'm just having yeah, a quick scan around the VanEck website. Um, oh, yeah. 97.5% US exposure, 2.4% mm-hmm. yeah. Argentina. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So my, it would be, it'd be one of the companies that are, that yeah. got in there. So it's yeah. I actually has Mercado Libre, so I should say I've just mentioned that. So I'll, I will. I'll mention as well. Yeah, it's incredible. Hey, absolutely incredible. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. All right, so let's go to the next question from who have we got now Scott, different Scott. Hi, Andrew and Scott. Your discussion on the Vanguard Diversified High Growth ETF on a recent podcast, another ETF, raised a question about investment time horizons. I'm glad. The main aspect of this ETF that you did not like was its volatility reducing elements, the allocation of bonds and currency hedging. While volatility reduction does not make sense if you're a long-term investor, what if you cannot be completely sure of your investment time horizon? You think it's long-term, but you also know it might be shortened by changing life circumstances. As Andrew loves to say... Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. That's Mike Tyson, and, by the way. Andrew Mike Tyson. I'll claim it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wait to see Mike Tyson and find out you're claiming it, mate. Then we'll see who gets punched in the face. In this scenario, says Scott, which I imagine covers most investors, doesn't some volatility reduction make sense? Especially when you consider the fact that volatility can last a very long time. E.g. the SP 500 had a lost decade between 99 and 2009. And the Australian dollar is currently down 40% against the US dollar from what it was 10 years ago. Thanks for any thoughts from Scott. What do you reckon, mate? Oh, man, I get it. I really do. But I, I guess I guess my argument would be if you're a short-term, it, 
if you can't afford to leave your money untouched for at least several years, then just don't put it in the market. I mean, cash is the ultimate non-volatile mm. asset. I mean, you'll lose 6% a year <laughs> at the current rate of inflation, um, but but it's there and it's guaranteed. The problem, the problem is, is like when you perfectly hedge something, you you mm-hmm. you you get rid of any loss, you get nothing. But you, but you get rid of any upside as well, and you've had to yeah, do all this yeah, stuff yeah. around. I just, mm-hmm. I kind of just don't see the point. That the point of yeah. equities is that you say I'm going to go a bit further out yeah. the risk spectrum. I'm going to, you know, I'm, yeah. going to, I'm going to take something that's a little bit quote unquote riskier. Yeah, and that's a whole other conversation. Um, something that's a bit more <laughs> by risk, we just mean volatile here. Yeah, but yeah. I'm going to do that because. Everything in history has suggested to me that that's actually been an incredible investment longer term. Yeah. Um, and and so the, the question is the question is, is is you have to start with how long. Mm-hmm. I get that things can change. Things can definitely mm-hmm. change, but you have to start with the idea of like how long am I looking to invest? If you are looking at investing in anything over three years, then mm-hmm. it's a very very sensible approach. And frankly, I would say five or, or more years if if, if you mm-hmm. can. If you can't be sure of that, then I would, as you know, as as hard as it, a pill as it is to swallow, I would say just don't invest in the market, mm-hmm. um, because you just don't know what's going to happen. You, you could put it all in and then wake up one day and the thirty percent of it's gone, right? Mm. Which uh, happened during COVID. Yeah, yeah. Thirty-eight percent in the space of a month. Yep. You were going to retire in February, into March. Oops, I got you know sixty dollars left for every hundred dollars I started with only a month or so ago. And even if you could take, take away something that's not as 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 um, uh, what's the word for it uh, unusual as a global yeah. pandemic, even if you just put yeah. it all into the Nasdaq ETF yeah. at the start of the year, yeah. you're down twenty six percent or whatever it is. Yeah. Quarter of your money has disappeared, um, and you've temporarily. Stance- but yeah, you know, temporarily. If, you, if you had to cash yeah. out at a given time, then you don't get it back. Yeah, maybe it stays stays there for for, yep. for quite a while. You could have yep. given all your money to Buffett at some period in the seventies, yeah. and five years later got yeah. exactly your money back uh, he had a, mm-hmm. he had a lost five-year period in there and actually mm-hmm. went down quite a bit uh mm-hmm. in in the interim so it's just mm-hmm. you know you there, there is up there i always talk about is opportunity cost in that mm-hmm. so you'll you'll know three years hence what you should have done because life will have mm-hmm. unfolded and you could have gone ah well it turns out i didn't need the money and i could have bought this and you know but but dealing with the uncertainty as of the future as it like you know is in front of us I think you just have to kind of commit. And if you can't commit, which which a lot of us won't be able to for various reasons, and it's probably a good idea to have a little bit of a, um, uh, a, a pot of cash there, just that rainy day fund, just in case, particularly if you're close to retirement. Um, knowing full well that you might regret that if the market continues to race ahead or if not, no, there's no dire call on your on your capital just, just because of your life um, events. Yeah. Um, but it's there. But it's there, and and it's some some. If God forbid anything does happen, you'll be so glad of it, and it's just the compromise you have to take. Yeah, I I, I think you're right. See, I, I'm going to be a little bit more blunt, not in terms of my uh, harshness, but just in terms of the, the reality. If you're going, if you're looking for a ten percent hedging uh, with with bonds and, and currency, for example, that's the number that, that Scott quotes in his email. Um, if you if you're down thirty percent, the other ninety percent of your portfolio. In terms of hedging, it doesn't, it doesn't say What's the difference? Like it, you know, yeah. it, it, it's a rounding error, right? And so, you know, the, yes, maybe you lose a little bit less and maybe you feel a little bit better about that if time works for you. But given the market goes up over time more often than not and it goes up further than it goes down, all those things, you're, you're, you know, if, if, you're, if you sell at a downtime because your circumstances change, then being a little bit less sad is probably worth something but not much. 
And if you do let it run its course, having a little bit less money than you would have otherwise have is unnecessary. So it's kind of, it's, 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 almost, it's almost like, <laughs> you know, it's the least perfect outcome in both ways. Mm. Um, Scott, to Ram's point, mate, if, it's, if you've got money in the next five years, don't have it in stocks. Uh, I have no idea what happens to the market now on this day in 2027. It could be up 30%, it could be down 20%. It could be higher or lower in both directions or somewhere in between. Um, you can't know. So, you know, if there's a genuine chance of change, life circumstances, I'll, I'll be really honest with you. I have every, I have invested in nothing other than the share market. Now, if I get fired tomorrow or got to be hit by a bus, uh, that's where money is going to be. And not because I know that's going to happen, just because on balance, Mark goes up more than it goes down. I'm going to invest it. If I don't get hit by a bus for a very long time, I'm not going to cash out that money, even at retirement. I hope to be able to live off the income from that rather than rather cash out the capital or cashing out small amounts of capital, but plus have a cash buffer that I can draw on to avoid me having to sell on down times. That's more useful buffer-wise to my mind than the, than the ETF itself. But that's, you know, that's just my view. If you want to go for it and you feel better about it, by all means, do it. Giving up total return for some short-term volatility protection, to my mind, it's not going to be enough to save you from declines and it's going to cost you money in the long term. That's a, that's a lose-lose for mine. But everyone's I'll, I'll throw out an uh, mm. interesting mm. Uh, little nugget of info. Uh, 2022, I think, is the first time in like oh, decades and decades and decades where both bonds and equity markets have fallen at the same time. Right, there you go. Usually when, when things get scary in equity markets, people go into bonds yep. and they go up. The, and in fact, that's that's the whole point of what they call the the, the classic 60-40 portfolio, right? Like yeah, you have yeah. some here, some there. It's sort of, you know, it sort of evens itself out and it gets rid of a lot of that volatility interestingly Mm. enough uh and again this could all reverse and i don't mean to infer anything whatsoever from it but had you Mm. taken at the start of this year the approach that i want to take that that you know i'm going to mix it up with bonds and that so you know it's a bit scary but at least if things go pear-shaped i've got a bunch of money in bonds and that that'll give me some hedging actually not 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 this case (laughs) so you know the, the, the world is a surprising place i guess it really is. It really is. Um, question from Justin. Hi, Scrammers, he said, which mm-hmm. is apparently some Scott and Ram uh, portmanteau <laughs> that some of our listeners like. Go with podcast machine people, not Scram. Anyway, loving the pod, especially the very special mailbag episodes. So here goes a question for the next ep. <clears throat> You're in the right place. Quick background. 32 years old. Bastard. Starting investing in 21. Bastard. Bought the Australian blue chips like banks, woolies, and the big miners based on advice consisting of you just can't go wrong, in quotes. In more recent years, I've bought some smaller cap stocks with mixed results, approximately 15 holdings currently. I work full time and then some, says Justin, and just don't have the time or the focused interest for studying the in-depth analysis of individual companies like you guys talk about. That's cool. I usually pick large companies I see a future in based on the advice above. It never really worried me until I started listening to the fools. <laughs> you guys got me thinking, maybe I'm better off in broad-based index tracking ETFs. I've got small positions in, and these are ETFs, three which I don't know the names of, but I've got the codes. I hate using stock codes, as you know, Andrew, but QUAL or QUAL is one of them, apparently. GOAT is another. HYGG is a third. And the Vanguard Diversified High Growth ETF, I know that one. To get some international exposure, but I'm thinking I should add some ASX 200 or ASX 300 ETFs and call it a day. Thoughts? Question. He says, I'm just struggling with the mental aspect of putting large amounts of capital in just a few ETFs rather than having it spread amongst multiple stocks. I understand it's much more diversified and less volatile, et cetera, et cetera, but relying on just a few tickers still doesn't sit well with me. For example, 50 grand in one ETF versus 5K in 10 individual stocks just seems less risky 
in the back of my mind, even though the front of my mind tells me it's the same, if not better, as the ETF has many more than 10 stocks. Any general advice for investors trying to get over this mental hurdle? I really like this question, mate, because mm. this, is, this is the rubber meets the road stuff. He's like, you know what? I get it and I get it and I get it, mm. but somewhere I back on my mind, I still don't get it. I still can't quite get over it. Uh, so good on you, Justin, for recognizing the, uh, the, the, the psychological reality of what mm. you're going with and, and good on you for being honest about it. Ram, your thoughts? You've, you've, you've got, this is hard, it's you know, hard to do, easy to say, mm. but you do just have to get over that because you, you, know, you know that it's wrong, the reasoning, yeah. and you, <laughs> you just have to get past it, yeah. uh, to, yeah. just to be yeah. harsh. I mean, it, it, yeah. it, is, it isn't could be about the same or better. It is 100%. If you had 100% of your money in, I don't know, pick, pick uh, the ASX 200 ETF. You're far more diversified than having five stocks, 10 stocks, 20 mm. stocks. <laughs> You've got 200 stocks <laughs> by definition. Um, so you're much, <laughs> yeah, much, correct, much, correct. much, much more diversified. Yeah. Much more yeah. diverse. Like not even close, not even close. And yes, I know it feels like not that way because you've just, you're holding one instrument, yeah. um, but you're far more diversified. Yeah. And it's far easier, to your point, you have to do yeah. any work on it, you know. Um, there's far less costs and fees and all the rest of it. Less stuff to manage, less paperwork. And frankly, I would. If I was, we get this question so often, and I guess because mm. it, 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 um, it's actually a pretty appealing approach. But yep. generally speaking, I would do two, maybe three. I would have okay. an Australian stock broad-based index VAS, something like that, one of the Vanguard yeah. ones, yeah. and yeah. I'd have a Nasdaq one because I want yep. I want some of the big US Silicon Valley companies. I think they're mm -hmm. pretty cool. Uh, I think Australia is a pretty great place. And I think on average between the two of them, I'm going to have hundreds mm. and hundreds and hundreds of stocks mm. Mm. and probably well, definitely some of the best stocks in the world. And I know I'm not going to go down mm. in the record books mm. as the world's greatest investor, but I also know that if I take that approach, I'll probably outperform most of the world's people yeah. who think they're the world's greatest yeah. investor. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'll have a very easy, yep. stress-free life. Yep. My 26-year-old was uh, talking to me yesterday about the Buffett bet. Uh, where he bet the, a, a bloke that five hedge funds wouldn't beat the index. And they did, had a 10-year bet. They called it off after year six because the index was so far ahead. The hedge funds were so far behind. They just went, all right, fine. I, I, yes, we're done. Let's just settle a bet now. Although in the first year, Buffett was losing badly. So yes, kind of a point, a point that I made in, on Friday's episode, right? It's like it, yeah, sometimes yeah. when, in fact, oftentimes when you make the right investment, it looks like the mm. bad, the, the, mm. a dumb investment early on. But yeah, just mm -hmm. over, it's the hair and the tortoise kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> it's just, it really is. It really is. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, very, 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 no. very quickly. I just want to add this one yeah, thing please. about, because uh, it's a little bugbear of mine. We, <laughs> no. big, and the industry teaches us this. They, they mm. say that big is safe, small is not. And I just I hate it. It's not true. It's not true. Um, and it's not, it's not me. This is my opinion. Yeah. Go look at the yeah. facts. I mean, look at some of the stocks. Look at a very, I could easily rattle off 10 stocks in, in the mm. top 50 mm. who have been awful killers of capital and I could find you a bunch of small cap stocks which might be a much more volatile and I'm, I'm not even talking about share price I'm just talking about actual business performance mm. cash mm. flows and profits and all these fundamental <laughs> kinds of things yep. you could have bought ANZ 10 years ago you, you're underwater in terms yeah. of share price yeah. ANZ in a property mm -hmm. boom Mm -hmm. <laughs> like what the hell, right? And like no one ten years ago is like, well, I'm buying, I'm buying one of the biggest businesses out there, really safe. And and this is this is um, ANZ has largely recovered from from where it was uh, where it was before COVID, right? Mm -hmm. So you can even get rid of that as a factor. Uh, anyway, just just be careful not to make that assumption. It, it, there's we'll talk about AMP. <laughs> I want to throw that one in there, you know. <laughs> 
Uh, Qantas, lots of big blue chip, quote unquote blue chip stocks are absolute rubbish, and I wouldn't put your money in them, Scott. Not even my money. No, nope, no one. I would just just Jeez. absolute rubbish. They they are big. They are very big organisations. Yeah. They'll probably be around yeah. for a while. There's not like it's not like they're unprofitable, but they are not. They the profitable the profitability relative to the mm. capital or the equity mm. at their disposal is is woeful. The growth in the earnings and the cash flows is is in some cases non-existent. So big isn't yeah. always better. I'll, give me a small little company that no one's heard of that is debt-free, whose profits are growing at double-digit rates, mm-hmm. who have a huge growth opportunity, who are probably a leader in their chosen niche globally. And I give you a bunch of them. It's far more exciting. I mean, they'll drop 20% in one day and then be up 30% the next. But to tell you what, businesses are super, super attractive and and over time, that, that those little moves, little moves, um, uh, really fade into in, in, in insignificance. Every big company was a small company at one stage. That's worth remembering. We've had this conversation before, and I'm I'm toying whether to respond to it or let move on. I will respond to it very briefly, which is to say that neither grouping should be taken as a grouping arbitrarily and or or individual stock should be taken as a subset of that grouping and assume that that will play out the same way mm. uh, many big companies have done extraordinarily well from their big sizes apple amazon google facebook i own two of those uh as you all know uh plenty of small companies have crashed and burned every second lithium player gold miner biotech whatever um so i i am not disagreeing with you at all mate i think it's absolutely the case and if you look at any 10, 15, 20 year charts or, or, or lists of companies, the ones that have done best almost by definition were small when they started because they have struck gold literally yeah. metaphorically yeah. and have that huge upside potential. So I absolutely 100% agree with you. Um, I don't have nothing to disagree with you about with the exception I wanted just to add for the sake of our listeners that small, not every big cap will do well, not every small cap will do badly, but the reverse is also true. Yes. Um, there are some massive capital killers, as you said, um, but there have been some wonderful you know, successful large caps uh, in the small cap land, the same is also true. So yes, not uh, your, your key point was the first one, which is don't assume big is safe. Yes. It's absolutely. You shouldn't apply that across the board, no matter what. Um, don't assume small is risky across the board, but know that, <laughs> you know, that you can lose money in both. You can make money in both. And as always, if you're picking individual stocks, stock selection matters. You should be more prepared for things like volatility and other things. But uh, I just want to throw that in, mate. I, I, I know, it, it, I know you're, you you're with, right to do it. To, to make it. You're right. To, I guess. I guess it's one of the things. Is like the beautiful thing about the stock market <laughs> is that you can find an example to prove it. Yeah, that's right. right. So yeah. I've got to be careful. Here, but I know. Torture the data till it screams. Yeah, exactly. you know. But yeah. I, the, the yeah. interesting thing is, is that when you when you look, it's not. It's yeah. it's it's actually more prevalent than you think. I just brought up the mm-hmm. ASX twenty, mm-hmm. and just while you're talking, and I can say over a ten year period, AMP has underperformed. Um, yeah. uh, uh, Origin Energy has underperformed. Uh, well, sorry. Let me let me get this. Out. Lost money. Like share, the share price is lower than it is today. There'll right, be some okay. dividends there that, that yep. give you a little bit. But uh, yeah, Telstra is lower than what it was. As I said, ANZ mm-hmm. is lower than what it was. It, it is like significant percentage of the very biggest companies here who've actually done nothing for shareholders. Absolutely nothing. So right, we've right, just right. got to stop talking about them as if they are they are low risk investments. And sometimes they're just hyper 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 uh, mature businesses that just have no mm. growth opportunities that are suffering institutional drag because they're just so <laughs> big and slow yeah. moving and yeah. they're so ripe for disruption because you know <laughs> yeah. the, the the people yeah. in the garage yeah. who come they're nimble they're quick they're seeing technology trends they're mm. just on it i just I, you know i i i i would i would be very careful 
with a lot of those companies. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's true. It is also fair to say, though, mate, over the last 10 years, I'll just pull up the numbers for the fun of it, uh, the ASX 20 is out from the ASX 200. So the big out of town is actually doing better than the smaller the smaller companies. Again, it's not to say that they can't, won't, blah, blah, blah. It, 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 none of those is true. And this is the, you know what I, what, I, yeah, I love that you raised the point, mate, because one of my bugbears, and I have spoken this, speaking of bugbears, let's, let's rant for a bit, shall we? Fine on. Um, <laughs> one of my biggest concerns for investors is people who say, value stocks have outperformed, therefore I'm going to buy a value stock. Yeah, yeah. Or, yes. you know, emerging markets are doing really well, so I'm going to buy one Argentinian company. <laughs> or, mm. you know, whatever, uh, my, you know, mine has done really, really well. Got, you know, for, or Fortescue did really well, I'm going to buy another iron ore miner. You can't take, particular, and is a bad example actually to bring in. Let me, let me go to the others first. Something that happens at scale with a huge number of examples. Tossing, you know, tossing a loaded coin, we've talked about before. 6% chance of tails, then I'm going to toss it once and bet all my money on it being tails. So, well, there's still a 40% chance it's heads, dude. Like, mm-hmm. you're more likely the more you toss it to get tails. But, you know, don't assume that you can take a broad trend over a long period of time and over a large number of, um, uh, what, what's the right word when we're in statistics? A l- large universe, anyway. A large number of, of, of um, cohort? individual. Yeah, cohort, that'll do. Uh, and assume that that every you know, that's the average, right? Including those that did really well, close it really badly. If the small odds does better than the all odds, or the or the ASX twenty is better than the two hundred, whatever those numbers are, that's a group, right? And it might be two companies in there that have done spectacularly well and dragged the whole index I was up. Going to say, take, or, take out CSL and see how the ASX right exactly yeah. exactly, and the same in reverse, right? So yep. those things are just are just almost by definition true, and the same in reverse. Mm. It might have been the other way around. It CSL might be the worst performer, yep. and just don't buy CSL just because a member of that cohort. Because that might be the exception that proves the rule. Mm. So, you know, don't take an average across a large number of, of observations and apply it to one circumstance and assume that you're going to get the average result. It's just not how stats work, whether it's large cap, small cap, whether it's growth, value, emerging markets, developed markets, US, Australia. Mm-hmm. Choose, your, choose your category, right? Any yeah. industry. Um, it just, just doesn't work that way. I'll give you a fun example, mate, just to, to finish off where, where yeah. we started from. That is exactly <laughs> the story of the crypto boom and bust, right? Someone oh, someone right. invented Bitcoin when, and it's a whole other thing. And then every tech <laughs> no. bro out there in the world decided to launch their own blockchain token, which is all a massive mm. Ponzi scheme. And mm. it all flew mm. up and everyone lost all their money. You know, it's just going yeah. to, but, 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 but Bitcoin did really well. I missed out on that. That's gone up a lot. You know, that. Yeah. That that went from like a dollar to thirty thousand dollars. That's too late. Yeah. So now I'm yeah, going right, right. to go for one with a dog on the front, or I'm going to go for this <laughs> or that. There's literally twenty thousand different. Exactly. Uh, I'll be polite and call them altcoins out there, and they're all worthless. <laughs> they're all entirely worthless. No, I'll call, ex- call them crap coins. Go on. Yeah, I was going shit coins, and that's exactly what they are. And but it's it's to your it is exactly to your point. You know, it's like this has gone well, therefore something that looks like that will also go well, and it's not true. Good, good point. Mate, I reckon we're done. Thank you for an engaging, fun, and energetic chat as always. This is, I hope you've enjoyed it. I shared all the social at the beginning. I won't do it again, but please do. Send us emails, questions, comments, thoughts, suggestions, feedback. Also, please, if you're listening to this on iTunes, please do give our podcast a rating. Five stars would be lovely if you don't mind. Um, a, because we're egocentric and, uh, you know, egomaniacs. But more importantly, because um, like all of these things these days with Uber and everything else, if you don't give five stars, it must be terrible. Uh, so if you could, if you're enjoying it, please give us some stars, as I said before. If you're not still listening at this point, you probably don't like it, so that's okay. Don't worry about it. But if you're still here, you've hopefully enjoyed it. And five stars would be lovely. Throw us a review if you could. Feel free to tell your friends. Um, do, as I said on Friday, please also check out The Good Oil with Scott Phillips. It's lots of fun. Um, fence, I... 
I'm super lucky to be able to have some really fantastic, interesting guests on. So uh, don't listen for me, listen for them. Uh, you will learn something, you will be engaged, educated. Uh, I think delighted. I think it's a, just a fun, fun set of conversations. I'm, I, I try and be our listeners, right? I am our listeners. I just ask questions of smart, thoughtful people with good experience. Say, hey, what do you recommend this? Um, and I enjoy finding the answers out. I think you will too. So give that, give yeah, that nice. a go. But until then, enjoy the rest of your Sunday or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whenever you're listening to this. And we will join you next Friday for more from Motley Fool Money. Until then, from Andrew and myself, Fool on. See you then. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691.